I was doing the right things, but I was doing them in the wrong way. And so I'm like a weightlifter trying to lift with my back. I'm like a, a swimmer who hasn't learned to breathe properly yet. I'm like a, a, a baker who's trying to knead all the bread by hand instead of instead of having a machine. And, gotcha. And, and so that's the distinction. Essentialism is about figuring out what the right things are and effortless is about doing them in the right way. Helping hardworking real estate investors, agents, and entrepreneurs grow a better business, mindset, and future. This is the Carrot Cast Podcast. Now here's your host, Trevor Mock. What's up, y'all? I'm coming at you with a special episode of the Carrot Cast today. And you guys will know uh, from listening to the past episodes, we're shoot somewhere between 250 and 300 episodes now in the podcast, uh, pushing 300 five-star reviews. And I talk about the things that impact my life the most. And one of those things is books. Uh, I read 10 pages a day, every single day without fail. And one of the early books that changed the way I thought about things when I was in, in a spot in life where I was hyper, hyper busy, where I didn't know how to tell priority when things are really, really hard. And it's not like everything's easy. Now we go through phases, but I heard someone refer me to this book right here. Uh, essentialism from Mr. Greg McEwen uh, also runs a podcast called the what's essential podcast. Go find it wherever you can find podcasts. We'll talk about that more. But as I went through this book, y'all, it was one that I've referred to insanely amount of people. Uh, and I'm so, so glad that we have Mr. Greg McEwen on today's carrot cast to talk about not just essentialism, uh, this thing, uh, this, the concepts in this book have changed my life, but also a new book that he's got coming out called effortless, which I'm excited about that insanely because I didn't even know that book was coming out until we had a chance to connect with you. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is the next thing from Greg and it's going to be so, so great. So welcome onto the Carrot Cast, uh, Mr. Greg McEwen. Trevor, so nice to be with you. Thank you. So Greg, there's probably a ton of people who've heard about you. Uh, before we hopped on, I popped on social media. Hey, I'm, I'm getting on with Greg, the author of Essentialism. And so many people pop in there saying, I'm reading it right now. I read it yesterday. You know, I wrapped it up. It changed my life three years ago. Uh, so for, for, for the few people who might not know about Essentialism or the work that you've done, let's kind of break down, <clears throat> number one, who are you? Um, you know, what, what are you passionate about in the world and the lot in, uh, the, in putting your message out to the world? And, uh, where do you live? Where do you live? What's your family life look like? And we'll dive into the topic. Yeah, let's start with family. I, I live uh, north of, uh, of Malibu in California. Yeah. Um, I'm married to my wife, Anna. We have uh, four children. They're all teenagers now. Um, I, my whole life's passion um, really became clear. There's a little story here if you want it. The, I love uh, it. I, love I, it. I was, was staring at a piece of paper in my hands like more than 20 years ago now with all these scribbles and answers on it. Um, and, uh, I look at it and I've been brainstorming the question, what would you do if you could do anything? Mm. And when I was finished, as I'm staring at this list, I realized that law school is not on the list, mm. um, which is inconvenient because I was at the time at law school, uh, <laughs> in England, but I was uh, visiting a friend in United States. And I just visited with somebody uh, who had said, look, if you do decide to stay in America, then you should help us with whatever. Mm -hmm. And it set me off on this, this just sudden like brain sort of like, Hey, what would you really, what is it? What would that essential part be if you didn't have to just do what you're already doing? And, and for me, what was on the page, what I wanted to do was to teach and to write. Mm. Um, and, uh, to just, to really operate at my highest point of contribution. And that's what I felt compelled to do. And, mm -hmm. and then I thought, you know, best call my parents. And, uh, and so I called the 15 digit number back to England and my father <laughs> answered. Uh, I mean, what would you say actually, Trevor, like it's, yeah. on, it's on you now. What would you say after all that time, all that money, all that effort, your son calls you from halfway around the world. And, uh, he's, uh, he's thinking about quitting law school. What are you going to say? Man, so my, my mindset today, because I've been an entrepreneur my, my whole life, I've never worked for anyone. I, I would like jump for joy for Colton, my boy, and say, dude, I'm so glad you found it. But yeah. I don't think that's a common answer. So what what did your dad say? That's what my dad said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my dad, he listened, which is not entirely like him. And, uh, and, then, he, and then he became quite Churchillian about the whole thing. Mm. Um, son, you know, son, you know, I've always told you. 
Uh, and then because Englishmen quote Shakespeare over tea and crumpets for breakfast in the morning, he, <laughs> he, he pulls a line straight out of Hamlet. Um, he says, uh, he says, look, to thine own self be true. Mm. And yeah, look, you don't always have to get it right, but that was a right moment. Mm. And it helped me to, um, to move forward in the direction I probably was going to move forward anyway, but it felt like, you know, supportive. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, one more, one more data point that I was on the right path. And, and really what has driven me all these years is this feeling that if, if you can, if you can search out and find answers that, that reframe common perspectives, then you can suddenly have an experience almost immediately mm. uh, of transformation that, that you can, that, and, and I love to be at that juncture where you can try and find a way that something, an idea that's holding somebody back, a set of assumptions that are invisible. Yeah. And, and, and by, by discovering that you are seeing through that lens, and if you remove that lens, you can suddenly have this uh, you know, meteoric change mm. in first in perspective, but then in performance yep. uh, is, is something that is, it's deep in me. I love it. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a term, uh, it was a biblical, it was, it was originally, the term was metanoia. It's, it's in the, in the, in the Bible when it was translated into English, it was translated into the word repent, but mm -hmm. that word, what it really means, the original is to see yourself, other people and the world through a different lens. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And that, you know, just with, with a new, in a new way. And I love, I love that idea. And, and Greg, that, that, con that, that concept is so powerful and important, right? Because you talk about seeing the world through a new lens, through a different, different lens. And there's probably a lot of people listening to this saying, that sounds amazing, but how do I see that? Like, where's the new lens? How can I see it? And one thing that was really powerful uh, that helped you was you asked a question. It, it was a clarifying question. And throughout essentialism, there's a lot of things where you ask questions and, and it helps to kind of clear that clear that up. And that's one really powerful thing we'll kind of dig into. And, and we'll spend a little bit of time on essentialism, but then I'm going to spend most of the time on the new book on, 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 on effortless, uh, because so many people, myself included, oftentimes fall in phases in life where there's all these options, right? There's all these things we could do. There's all this distraction on our phones. There's, there's a million things to do in our Asana checklist, and there's always more coming at us. And it's that constant struggle of number one, how do we boil down to the essential? And we'll talk about that. But then number two, once we figure that out, how do we make that work effortless to move mountains with, with less work? Um, so if you're cool with it, let's dive into essentialism a, a little bit. You'd mentioned when you called up your father and talked about that decision, um, that, that he gave you the go ahead, kind of what happened next in your research as you started to research and work with people and, and that ended up becoming the book essentialism, what led you to the concepts, uh, that, that became the book? And then we'll talk about the concepts after that. Well, what the, there were actually two experiences, one professional and then one personal. And as those came together, I realized that there was a perspective mm -hmm. that could shift both organizations and also individuals, uh, both professional and personal. So I was working with Silicon Valley companies and noticed a predictable pattern, uh, that uh, sort of four stage pattern when you were, um, early stage startup, if they focused and got cl clear, so phase mm -hmm. one clarity, then it led to phase two success, which mm -hmm. led to options, which itself, all sounds like the right problem to have, but it does in fact turn out to be a problem if it leads to phase four, which is what Jim Collins called the undisciplined pursuit of more. Gotcha. And yep. so that, that's this, what I call the paradox of success. Uh, and many companies and many teams go through this. And the, the, the antidote to the problem is the disciplined pursuit of less but better. Mm. So you're constantly being selective and thoughtful about what you do. And as I was noticing that pattern, I, I also received um, an email uh, from uh, a colleague at the time that said, look, Friday would be between 1 and 2 p.m. would be a very bad time for your wife to have a baby. 
because <laughs> I need to be at this client meeting. And Friday at night, we were in the hospital and our daughter was born. And I, instead of being focused, hmm. uh, I am feeling like, how can I do both? How can I do it all? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I went to the meeting and the, you know, even afterwards, my colleague said, oh, no, don't worry about it. The client's going to respect you for the choice you just made. And yeah. I don't know that the look on their faces did evince that source of respect or confidence. But even if they did, even if they're right, uh, you know, I'd made a fool's bargain. Mm. I'd violated something more important by trying to do both. Gotcha. What was important and what was less important. And you mm. end up with neither. Uh, and... What I learned from that was simple, which is if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. Yep, hundred percent. That's true in in both professional setting. We have to be thoughtful and clear about what is essential, and it's also clear in a personal setting where if you're not careful, you know, we're going to get to the end of our lives, and our tombstones going to read, you know, he checked email, mm-hmm. uh, yep. or, or, or he, or, or he. Um, sh- showed houses, and mm, and, yep. and that's that's it. That is the sum and bonum of our life. And I I believe that if you know, the value proposition of essentialism is that if we are more disciplined and thoughtful about what we do and what we don't do, if we are more strategic about what we do and what we don't do, uh, then we can make a higher contribution, mm. both professionally and personally. Uh, and, and that's yeah. if we take responsibility for figuring out and doing what matters most. And, and that, that's one of the hardest things to do. You know, that's one of the hardest things for us to do. Cause like you had said, <laughs> as soon as you start to become successful in something, whatever it is, uh, it could be business. It could be, you know, some other opportunity. Uh, then we, we start to look at it and go, man, well, everything else I could probably do well too. And so that opens <laughs> up all these opportunities and I'll, I'll give my short version of how I implemented the concepts from essentialism um, way back when and where it did change my life. And then we'll kind of break down for uh, the audience, the core principles of essentialism. Uh, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time on effortless, which I'm really excited to learn about that. So uh, this goes back to 2011, 2012 for me. And I was in a spot where I started my first company in 2008 and it was hyper-focused at that time because you had to be, right? Like I didn't have a lot of options. I had bills to pay. I had, there was no other option than for me to get hyper-focused and figure out how to make this thing work. And so I did. But then as as business got a little bit better and there's a little bit extra income there on the sides and I saw the other opportunities and, and I didn't have the purpose and passion in that business at that time to drive me deeper into the one company. So I started spreading myself thin. And I remember around 2010, waking up in the morning and we had our first daughter, uh, McKinley in 2010 and my wife had gone to work and McKinley was at the babysitter and I was supposed to be working, right? Like that was the reason to send her to the, to the nanny was cause I was supposed to be working. I was laying in bed at 10 in the morning, looking at the ceiling going, I don't even want to do the work in the business that I'd created for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was just the weirdest thing. And over the, over the coming months, I started to analyze like, why is it that, that I'm in this spot? And it was because I had way too much going on. I didn't know what priority was. I felt like I was failing in so many spots in life. Um, and then I actually came across a different book called The Pumpkin Plan. But then I came across essentialism right after that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this this is the thing. And so your, your graphic in the book that is famous now, and there's a version of it on, on the new book, um, uh, Effortless, this graphic right here, if you guys are watching the YouTube version of it, uh, that one graphic, I've probably redrawn, Greg, 100, 200, 300 times to our team members <laughs> referring back <laughs> to and, the same team member. Yeah. To the same, or, and to myself too. <laughs> yeah. And so that was my journey on it. I'm going, okay, I always have to remember I can either spread my energy thin and not go very far, or I could put it into a focus and go far. So I want to toss it back over to you now, Greg. Um, I introduced a little bit of the core concept, but what are the core concepts of essentialism that if people were just to know a few of the things from the book, I want you guys all to go get the book, first of all, and get effortless, order them both right now. You're going to need them. You're going to want them. But what are the core principles of essentialism? So people can wrap their minds around how they pare down the most important. Yeah. I mean, look, first it is a mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's four parts of the book. One part one is the mindset and it really Mm -hmm. matters to dismantle the um, the, the, the existing 
decluttering dominant assumption of what I call non-essentialism. And so that is step one. This is the first step is essence. It's like, what is the mindset of an essentialist and how does it contrast to this, to a non-essentialist? A non-essentialist is someone who believes I can do it all. Mm, And also that if, but when I do it all, I'm going to have it all. Mm. So there are, unfortunately just two problems with that is that both assumptions you know are so close to being untrue they're like lies there's this lies this is what sort of an assumption is that i can do it all what do we think we live in a trade-off free world like creating this pre- pretense i don't know if you've watched a uh, one division have you seen one division no, I, I haven't seen yeah, that one. Her my, my children are all into WandaVision right now. Well, for those that for those that are watching WandaVision, she creates this false world for herself and she uh-huh. expands it and expands it. And I think that that's what non-essentialism is. It's just a false view of the world. You cannot do it all. And yeah. even when you and when you try to do it all, you won't do it all. But what you'll also get is a very different outcome mm. than having it all. What you will get is burned out mind, body, spirit, heart. You will start to burn out. Mm -hmm. You will get strained relationships with the people that matter most. And you will tend over time to start failing in the work out there as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I just described there this uh, three concentric circles, right? There's inside self, then your relationships, then everything else. The non-essentialist works from the outside in. They start out Mm. there doing Mm. stuff. Then they, whatever's left over, they bring to their most important relationships, which is not much. So those become more and more strained. You know, they get home late. They don't know why people are tired and grumpy. They're tired and grumpy. When people are fatigued, they're not very clear about, you know, they start to perceive slights where there aren't slights, but that's part of the fatigue. And when we're fatigued, we tend not to know that we're fatigued. So there's this now, the cycle continues. And then what's left for you at the end of the day is so little and our perception of what's important so obscured that we, as one person said, they just spend two hours on Zillow, uh, you know, just scrolling, doom scrolling from midnight on a yeah. complete waste of time repeating the cycle. The simplest change is that an essentialist works from the inside out on mm. this little concentric circle model I just described. Yeah. So, so like we've got to root out that nonsense. The truth is that you can choose to do anything, but not everything. And to discover the freedom of that reality, yeah. the trade-off in fact is, is made up it is like the key to strategic advantage mm. to fit, to understand, well, if I'm not going to do what all my competitors are doing, I'm going to choose a few things that are distinctive to me that I'm particularly good at doing. I'm going to build a system around me. And, and suddenly there's this new freedom that you find. My goodness, essentialist discovers that almost everything is non-essential. Mm. Yep. Whereas in a yep. non-essentialist still believing that almost everything is essential. Mm. So that's step one. That's all under this essence, this mindset shift. And then following that, and I won't go into all the details now, you can ask me if there's more, but yep. is, is three practices that I believe tend to operate spontaneously, instinctively, intuitively once you get the mindset in place. Mm-hmm. And that is you start to explore what's essential. Because if you really believe only a few things matter, you go, well, I've got to find out what they are. It's worth, yeah. the, it's worth the time. It's worth creating space to figure out what is essential. Of course, I'm going to rest and sleep and protect the asset that's me so that I can see what's essential. Mm. Yeah. So all these things naturally fit. You start to explore what's essential and make sure you can discern what matters, the, the vital few from the trivial many. Second, you will start to eliminate the non-essential. That makes perfect sense because you suddenly realize that every single time you choose something less than essential, hmm. you are saying no to an essential. Gotcha. It's such okay. an important breakthrough. And then it's, it's, you're eliminating non-essentials. You're also then finally is ex- execute means uh, you know, really building a system that makes it easier to do what's essential over time. And so that's also where 
you know, why I've doubled down and written a book on effortless as well, because I think this is such a particular area that we fall down on, even after we figured out what is essential, is that we, 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 we try to execute as if we're non-essentialists. Dude, so I, I, I can be on with you for three hours, but what I want to do is guys, guys and gals, go get the book Essentialism. It, it dives in insane detail on everything that Greg had mentioned. Uh, I've got, the way that I read guys and gals is, I, 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 it's probably sacrilege to an author potentially, but I dog ear my pages like everywhere where I go. I need to go back and read that and read it off. And I dog ear the pages and the majority of this book is dog eared. And so go get essentialism. Uh, I want to, want to highlight one thing you had just mentioned, um, that I think is really important. Then I want to move over to effortless is, uh, the concept, Greg, that you said of when you say yes to something that's non-essential, it means you're saying no I mean, saying no to a million things when you say yes to one thing, but you're saying no to the essential things. Right. That's such a huge concept because I, I know for me, I'll, I'll still even get caught in that mode where I'm saying yes to the thing because I want to please the person or it looks like an opportunity, but I don't, I forget to pull back and say, well, shoot, what am I saying no to? Do you have a process or a thought process that goes through your mind that triggers you to go, oh, well, here's what I need to look at, or here's what I need to think about to re recognize again, what is essential to what I'm saying no to, if I say yes to this. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few things here, but, but one of them really is holding a, uh, creating space to do this thinking, mm, okay. right? Like, you know, having the daily planning session uh, where I'm reviewing the day, what am I grateful for? I'm making, I'm looking at my list for tomorrow. I'm, I'm then trying to prioritize it. Um, and, and so, and then really, and honestly, I have to admit, I'm not especially good at this or I haven't been in the past. I don't know why, uh, but I've got loose about it, but I'm, I'm really back into just time blocking mm, now yeah. and, and making sure that instead of, instead of living out of a to-do list, however prioritized it is, mm. you start, you actually block it. You say, okay, well, if that's important, when does it, where does it go? And so then you, yep. you put it on the calendar and as you do that, it helps you to be much more aware that when you're working on X, it's, you are not doing this other thing. I had yep. uh, near uh, Ayal on, uh, who's, who wrote the book, uh, Indistractable, uh, on, on my podcast just this week. And um, he, he has this distinction between distraction and traction. I love that, that he makes that connection. But, but his point to me this week was like, you don't know if you're distracted until you know what you want traction on. Gotcha. Yep. So you've got to put on the calendar, these are the things that I have identified through my daily planning process that is essential. And so then as you go through the day, you become more aware as you, as you not just saying no to other people, other people requesting, sure, but also just, oh, we just, just, just go on YouTube or go on ESPN or whatever the thing is that distracts us. You, you realize, oh, hold on, this isn't a bad thing, but I am not doing this thing. I am not calling, you know, the key, uh, you know, the, the, the key contact that provides mm -hmm. me with the best leads to be able to, uh, to be the first uh, in the, in to, to, to the house, first to the, the, the opportunity mm -hmm. um, as I'm busy over here being distracted by something else, I'm not doing the things that actually would drive success going forward. So to me, it's this, it's just a routine of daily doing that. I do it weekly and also a personal quarterly offsite. Though mm. those are especially important where you step back and really try to identify what is the priority for the next three months. Yep. And th th that right there is huge. So that was one of the big things after reading essentialism that I took away and I started doing that. And here at Carrot, you know, we're 40 some odd employees now and we do those <laughs> same things. We bake in more thinking time. And whenever we get too busy and get distracted, it's usually that we don't have that time to think. Um, one thing that we're putting in place at Carrot actually this quarter is something we call cool down, cool down periods because we were finding ourselves running right into the next quarter. And we said, well, what if we put a cool down period before the next quarter where all, have to, all pencils have to go down on project work, keep your daily work going. Uh, but now it gives us two weeks to really do that thinking that we weren't before in alignment. So, and that all came, came from uh, the spark from, from this book. Um, I want to read this passage from the new book. 
Uh, so let's make the transition there because I'm really excited about this. And this is going to go on my uh, ASAP reading list. So uh, I'm on chapter one of Effortless, and I'm just going to read this little passage. And I think it will probably relate to people a lot. So the, the section titles uh, says, hard work may not be well-named. All too often, we sacrifice our time, our energy, even our sanity, almost believing that sacrifice is essential in and of, of itself. The problem is that the complexity of modern life has created a false dichotomy between things that are essential and hard and things that are easy and trivial. It's almost like a nature of law for some people. Trivial things are easy, important things are hard. Uh, man, when, when I read that section, I'm like this book is going to be great. So let's make the transition, Greg. Um, where did the spark for, for effortless come up and, and high level, what does effortless dive into? And then we'll kind of uh, double click into the details of it. Um, effortless, uh, effortless is essentialism's fault. Um, <laughs> it, it, what happened is that essentialism, you know, changed everything for me. Um, and it was an unbelievable, it's been an unbelievable journey and it is still, uh, but I remember when it first came out, I mean, I'm, I'm traveling around, um, taking one of my children with me. Uh, I remember going to an event that had, you know, 300 people in the line at a bookstore, you know, trying to get the book and they sell out of books. They've never done that before. And it was just like, you know, traveling around the world speaking. And it's just exactly what I want to be doing. Yep. This, this, this is totally aligned. I mean, I quit law school to do this. I'm really doing it now in the full way, the full sense, very satisfying. In addition to being like the father of essentialism, I'm mm -hmm. now the father of four children. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to be with them too. Like I'm not, there's not, I'm not, I'm not resenting that. I traveled most of the time with one of my children with me. Mm, cool. uh, and I love doing that. And I want to be there for them when my son Jack wants to get his Eagle Scout. And I want to be there when they want to talk to me, however inconvenient that time of day that can happen to be. <laughs> I want to do the things. So there's not a motivation problem for me. Yep. And, and then as I was traveling one time, I was working with some entrepreneurs and they raised this idea of, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening or watching to this has heard of the big rocks theory. Mm. Yeah. Where yep. the big rocks theory is, Okay, if you put, if you've got a container, if you put the sand in first and then the small rocks and then the big rocks, it doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. So the key is the big paradigm shift is if you put the big rocks in first, then the small rocks, then the sand, it all fits. Yep. And that, yep. that is a good principle, a true principle. It's very essentialist idea. So I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm down with this. Uh, you know, the big rocks are exactly what we just talked about. Personal health, most important relationships, most vital projects. This is all true. I, I, but I started to, at this point in my life to ask this question, like, what if there are too many big rocks? Dude, that, that's such a good question right there. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And that was, I, in a sense, I start seeing cracks in, in the metaphor, in, mm. in, in an assumption that I'd held to as you know, pretty absolutely true. Uh, and while I'm contemplating this, I get a phone call in the hotel room. I get a phone call from my son, mm. my wife's phone, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, well, not crazy. It's just not usual for me. But then when he comes on the phone, he's just like, his face is pale. He's, 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 he's trying to get his words out. I can hear my wife. I mean, it's clearly something is wrong. You know, Eve was easing them. This thing happened, and then she, my wife turned the phone around, and and what is happening? You know, like suddenly, see on the camera is that my daughter is having a, a just a massive uh, tonic-clonic seizure. Oh my gosh! And um, so that's like suddenly you have this crisis, and the crisis gets me through. You know, the adrenaline gets me through the first moments of the crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Like I now I'm, you know, I'm booking the red the red eye back to, uh, back to California. I mean, it's you know, suddenly I mean, all you know, traveling through the night It focused on, but as the days proceed after that, as the weeks proceed after that, and there's, you know, your normal responsibilities don't suddenly go away just because you're dealing with a crisis. Now you've got another massive major rock. Mm -hmm. You're not going to, what are you going to do? What, what do you do? when you, you run out of space, but it's all essential. Mm. Uh, what do you do when 
you have more vitally important responsibilities than you can reasonably achieve. You, you are faced with, well, at first you're faced with like two impossible choices. Yeah. One is, yeah. okay, I can just drop these rocks. I can put them down. They don't matter anymore. Go. Or on the other hand, you could say, okay, I'll just, I'll just sort of somehow burn out as if my own health doesn't matter. I'll just burn myself out more and more and more. Mm. But that is, again, I guess the same sense of putting down a rock. Or you suddenly, and this is what happened for me, is you said, well, I've got to find an easier path. Hmm. Hmm. And, yeah. and, that, and that's, that, to me, was actually really profound. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now I understood as I took that journey down, find an easier path, I, I, I re discovered really this insight, which is that I was doing the right things, but I was doing them in the wrong way. Hmm. And so I'm like a weightlifter trying to lift with my back. I'm like a, a swimmer who hasn't learned to breathe properly yet. I'm like hmm. a, a baker who's trying to knead all the bread by hand instead of, instead of having a machine. Gotcha. And, and so that's the distinction. Essentialism is about figuring out what the right things are and effortless is about doing them in the right way. So the, the, those two right there, man, are such, such a dynamic duo. So I was looking at, at, uh, at chapter one again, and this is a good illustration, like literally an illustration of what you're talking about on page 37. So page 37, you've got the two circles and I'm just going to kind of verbalize it for you guys, but there's almost like a teeter totter. One has a big kind of rock and it's massive effort and an arrow going up to the top for tiny results, uh, because of complexity. And then on the other side of it, you got tiny results um, you know, with, uh, an arrow going down to this big, big, huge rock called, uh, pushing remarkable results. Cause you have more, more complexity or I'm sorry, less complexity. Let's kind of break that down a little bit, Greg. So you, you mentioned essentialism is finding the essential few, um, effortless is how do we get them done better? How do we get those things done better? How do we get them done more easily, uh, in life? Cause that, I think that's a struggle a lot of us are having. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the first thing to do with this is so simple. And I love this. It's an easy thing to do, but it's almost unbelievable. And that's partially because we distrust easy things. Uh, or, uh, many of us do. Uh, in fact, our language presents that, right? <laughs> you call it easy money yep. uh, versus a hard day's work. Gotcha. We, add, we, we, <laughs> we align easy as something to distrust. If you're a hard worker, if you, if you feel like, which of course I'm not knocking hard work, but you can overcome, you can overdo that strategy. That strategy is only going to take you so far. Motivation and hard work are limited. And, and so this simple, what I put to people is just to simply ask what I think is an almost magical question, which is like, what's the effortless way to do this? <laughs> just that. What, what, what if there's an easy way to do this? Yeah. I mean, if for hardworking people, for driven, talented, achievement-oriented people who want to get breakthrough results, what's their instinct? What percentage of the time do they think the that the right thing to do is, well, you've got to try harder. Mm. You want better results, you've got to try even harder. Versus, I want better results, I've got to find an easier, an easier yeah. way. It, most of the time, it's the first path. Most of the <laughs> time, what I'm guessing. Uh, uh, well, what, what, well, what has it been for you, Trevor? I'm genuinely curious. I mean, like, when you, do you, how active are you in saying, "Hey, listen, this is, uh, we want better results. How can mm. we make it easier?" Man, I, I think when when I've struggled as a leader and when I have been bogged down, it's it's when I'm trying to do it myself. And I, I had a really really good example of this back in October, and I was transparent with my team about it, where um, I had a load of things on, on my, on my list. Uh, we had, we had let go of our head of marketing. Amazing mm -hmm. guy just wasn't a fit. I adopted his list. And for a couple of <laughs> days, I was completely, I don't really get stressed much, Greg. And I, I was stressed out, man. Like <laughs> it, it was in this mo the same moments, take me back to 2010 where I'm going, how do I get out of this? And I'm not really pumped about tackling the day until this question that popped up in my mind, which shifted the thought of it is I think it's an old Einstein quote, but it's the level of thinking that got you here is not the level of thinking that will get you out. Yes. And so that's where it shifted to a who question for me. Um, but I don't have a model still to go, 
how do I make this more effortless? So I'm kind of 50, 50 now I'll catch myself going down the rabbit hole of taking on too much stuff and doing extra work and 50%. Oh, shoot. I should actually ask a better question here. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, I, there's two paths I could go down now. One is just extrapolating specifically how, when to use this, what I think is this first key question of Mm. how can I, is there an easier path? And then let's get to this question, this specific scenario you're in, which way, which way do you want to go? I, I want to say both, but which is the which order do you want, dude? You you tell me, man. You you guide guide the ship here. <laughs> uh, okay, well, just I just had somebody on on the What's Essential podcast, um, Benjamin Hardy, and he mm-hmm. presented the question of of who, not how. Yep. He just co-authored a book of that title, and I just that is such an effortless question. It's an important shift. It's one of there's a whole chapter in the in in, in effortless about this. It's about mm-hmm. the the, the importance of of trust on in relationships and in teams and finding people you can trust at a very high level because as trust goes up, uh, you know everything becomes easier. Yeah, and yep. when trust goes down, everything is harder. Hmm. And so, one of my favorite personal takeaways from my research was um, was the criteria that Warren Buffett uses for hiring people hmm. on the team and. Um, for him, they are integrity, intelligence, and initiative. (laughs) So I've summarized that myself just for me as the three I's. Mm -hmm. And he points it, he says, and if they don't have integrity, the the other two are actually to your detriment. Oh yeah. Yep. So that order is such a clear test for me now when I'm looking to work with people. Do they, do they have integrity? Do they have intelligence? Do they have initiative? And is it on a scale of one to 10, how are they on all three? And when you have somebody that's high on all three, it's just unbelievable, actually. What they can do, what they can help you achieve, how they'll interact with you, how much you can trust them, how much you can, you know, just everything's easier. Mm. Yep. If they're low on any of those three, it's just going to be work you're going to be just doing tons of work or if you just don't even realize hey listen i can think about a who and it's always just well how do i do it how do i do it Mm -hmm. this is like yeah let me lean into finding somebody if you find the right one higher you have made a hundred things easier for you oh big time so greg for for you like when when you were in that moment uh, where you got the call from from your son those those months after what what did you do what 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 did you do to still have the big rocks in your life that were important to you and, and do them better what were those moves you made well i mean everything in the book is sort of an outgrowth it's like that uh-huh. was the quest i went on that's the journey yeah. so I, it captures uh, you know there's a there's there's i sort of have to answer that by presenting now the the findings you know the it. discovery because some of it, I and I can speak to specific things that we did, uh, but one, you know, there's three parts. There's, it's another concentric circle. <laughs> uh, at the core of it is effortless state. Huh. The second is effortless action, and the third is effortless results. Mm, I like it. And and they're. These three are distinct, but they're related. In some sense, it's like three books in one. I mean, you could do any one of them and you could really have, I think, a big improvement on the experience of your life and the results you're going to get. Mm. But together, they build on each other. So effortless state is the the center, the core of it. I mean, let's just say what it is. I mean, the effortless state is when you're you're well-rested. It's when you're mentally alert, present. You can be here emotionally. You're... Uh, you're at peace. Uh, your, your energy is physically charged. You know, that's the effortless state. I mean, it's just, I mean, it said more simply, I suppose, it's just like a clear, mm, just yep. clear, free of everything else. I just, um, it's just on the Tim Ferriss podcast and we were talking about this and I just asked him a question like, what percentage of uh, of your life, you, like what, what percentage of the energy, the mental and emotional energy has been used up by grudges and being angry at other people and that mm. sort of thing. And he said, Greg, he's like, you cannot believe it. He's just like, especially between the ages of like 15 and 30 years mm. old. He said, I probably spent 60 to 70% of my energy 
mental and emotional energy on what you just said. It, just oh said it was so messed up. Mm. And despite that, those years, he still achieved a lot. But just think of the, of the, the rebate he is now getting as he's starting to do the work of being able to release that and let go of it. We talked about, you know, specific strategies that, that he's following to be able to let go. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of it. There's a whole chapter on, on, you know, on release, Amazing. on letting go of these emotional boundaries, of these, of these burdens that we're holding. I mean, I'm telling you, for almost every person listening or watching this, there are heavy burdens, mm-hmm. emotional burdens that they've been carrying for years, have nothing to do with the normal practices of productivity. You know, they're not like those normal tips and tricks. They're not time blocking. They're not scheduling or or planning, but they are their biggest productivity rebates they can possibly have. Mm. We don't think of them. We don't think of forgiveness as a productivity hack. But it is. (laughs) And so effortless state is about removing, getting clear from all of that so that you can be present and discern what what matters now, what do I need to do so I can do with ease because I don't have all of this. Well, one, of the, one of the things is so huge there, uh, Greg's effortless state, effortless action, effortless, effortless results, where I think a lot of us want to jump to is straight to effortless action, right? It's where, <laughs> hey, what are the things we got to do, right? Like, give me the, right. hack, give me the, give me the checklist, give me the thing. And, and what you're saying, which I'm so glad you're, you're, you're diving into this, because this is what I've been working on big time the past three months. Um, cause I, I ran into what I call discipline ceilings where you feel, you feel yourself kind of capping out on whatever it is, you're capping out on energy or your career or whatever, and you can't figure out why it is. And then, um, oftentimes for me, it's a discipline. It's that I need to get like now to get to the next level. I need to wake up earlier consistently, or I need to work out every day or whatever it is to get the energy back. And so dude, I absolutely love that you're starting there because I haven't been able to conceptualize why that's important. And what you're doing in this is doing that. And so effortless state, get there first and then think about what actions you need to take. It sounds like. Yes. And, and to your specific question about what we did with the situation with Eve, Uh one of the definite real practices born out of that extremity was like, I would just describe it as determined, intentional, uh, gratitude. Mm, Love it. You know, it was really, we we sort of find ourselves, I mean, what what began as just this this seizure was really the the discombobulation of her mental and and physical and emotional capacities. Mm -hmm. It was, it wasn't just like, oh, hey, you know, now, now our daughter has seizures, that's not great. But no, it was a neurological condition with no diagnosis. And so there was a, actually it's hard, it's still emotional to talk about, even though I am really want to, because yeah. I think it's so important to, um, but she had, uh, I mean, for four months straight, we're going to neurologists every day, well, not every day actually, but we're regularly trying to gather this information and not one of them can even give us the beginning of a diagnosis oh my gosh. and her capacities are just free falling. And so she goes from being the most vivacious, funny, uh, talkative, writing a journal for, ages every night up trees naming the chickens running shoeless all over the place to stoic never moves never moves just sits one word answers to everything can't takes a two net two minutes two full minutes to write her own name you know just like completely different personality Mm. and there's no diagnosis so this is like an unbelievable like this is the stuff agony is made of and it became quite clear to us that there were two paths competing for our attention two Mm. ways to approach this one was the heavier path this way of being consumed in it to such a degree that or just asking really poor questions like uh, well, why, why did this happen to us? Or, you know, mm. what's going to happen to her, you know, and, and getting dragged into the, the, you know, all the, these emails we would get from people well-intended, but, you know, well, maybe she has this, maybe she has that. Oh, and these, gotcha. these diagnoses are like all just all over the place, but they're all t- deathly hallow stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's one path. The other path was this lighter path that included just like 
gratitude in anything and everything. It mm. meant looking for anything good in, in the situation. Any, we're grateful that there are doctors. We're grateful that people do care about. We can be grateful, you know, in this moment that in this moment we could get around the piano and sing to get sing together and, and still have joy in it. We could catch each other doing the right things. Mm. Mm. And that that became a, a, a deep part of our culture. And and what I I mean this is I'll say it this way. Um, when you, what we learned is that when you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. Mm. Mm. And when you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. I've never, dude, I've never heard it said that way. I absolutely love that. And I just want to build just with a very practical behavior that grew out of that learning which was this is is uh, based on B.J. Fogg is the Tiny Habits uh, author and mm-hmm. uh, lecturer and professor at Stanford, and he he said um, he has this idea. He says, "Look, after you X, then you should Y, <laughs> right? Like, so you got to connect two things together." And so the, the behavior that we started applying was after I complain. <laughs> I will say something I'm thankful for. Oh, I gotcha. Yep. Mm. And what I discovered as soon as I did that personally, what I learned immediately was that I complain a lot more than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of myself as a positive person yeah. and so on, uh, you know, and it, but I'm like, my goodness, I just start there. That is a state, you know, mm. you, you complaining is a state. Yep. And the second you correct it by something I'm thankful for, the effect within yourself is instant. The effect importantly in the people around you is instant mm. it just instantly improves the state for everybody involved and that matters so much from an effortless point of view because as Fred, barbara Fredrickson put it in her research it's called the broaden and build theory when you change the state as she calls it just the emotional just positive emotions mm-hmm. but when you change the state you start to increase your sense of choice Oh yeah. yeah. When you have gratitude, you start to go, Oh, there's all sorts of things we could do. There's lots of options we have. And when you do that, it helps you to build good connections with the people around you because you start to feel like, Hey, there's the stuff we have options together. We can do things. And that builds, uh, gives you a new capability. So you're prepared better for the next set of problems. Mm -hmm. That's the upward cycle. And it all starts with getting in the right state. And similarly, if you're in the wrong state, if you're in an exhausted state, if you're in a greedy state, if you're in a fearful state, then what starts to happen is your options immediately collapse. Mm, That's like the fight, flight, freeze, or fall down. It's just like there's hardly any options. Well, what Mm -hmm. does that do to your relationships? Now those are all strained because nobody, you can't, you can't find any common ground. You can't find a way of being creative together. That weakens your network and system. So it means you are less prepared for the next big challenge. Mm. So these are sort of two options and it all starts with state. And, and that is uh, that is a big part of what I learned and we learned going through this. So being practical, when the pandemic came, the family culture we had, we didn't obviously know this was happening, but I was so amazed to see how robust it was for that mm. challenge. Yeah. It was like, it was almost like we'd taken a sort of cultural vaccine before this happened. Which life just carried <laughs> on. And it was, we all knew how to be grateful. We all knew how to focus on what we could do. It affected me with my business. Okay, what are we going to do? What do we uh-huh. focus on now? How do we go forward? Uh, because you could keep this, this effortless state going, even when the world is falling apart. Man, I, I so love that concept of, of effortless state, because like I said, a lot of people look for productivity hacks. They'll look for ways to get energy. And, and I think we're oftentimes looking at just that result of that thing. I want to be more productive and save more time. I want to have more energy. We won't look at why are we doing it? It's for the state. And, uh, I absolutely love that. And so next you've got action, you've got results. I want to respect your time too, Greg. And what, what, what I want to do guys and gals is this is I'm going to give away 10 books, uh, of effortless. Um, once it comes out, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So what I want you guys to do is 
posting the comment or posting um, uh, Apple Podcasts uh, in the review, rating and review section, what you got out of this podcast episode with Greg, whether it was from the essentialism part of it, whether it was from effortless, uh, the first 10 that do that, then email me directly, trevor at carrot.com, trevor at carrot.com with a screenshot of your, of your review from this episode. We're going to mail you out uh, a book, uh, a copy of effortless. And um, man, Greg, the, the work that you're doing is, uh, I, I think you know this, but I want to say it again. It's it's insanely important. I think oftentimes uh, the work that we put out to the world, we hope it's useful. We hope it impacts a lot of people. And I can guarantee you, man, uh, the impact you're having on people goes far beyond what you uh, ever actually get to hear from people. And I just want to, I want to give you thanks, uh, just personally on how, how your work has impacted me. Um, uh, I don't know how many times a week I talk to my team and say the words less, but better. Like Brady's over there. He's probably heard it 10 times this week. And so that, and among other things, I'm so excited for you and your family for uh, releasing this book. I'm really praying for uh, your daughter and, um, and, and for you in, uh, uh, with, with the health situation, but also just impacting other people's, other people's lives. So, uh, guys go to Amazon, go grab the book. Is there anywhere else that people could grab the book or should they just go to Amazon and grab it? Um, no, I think, I think that is, I think that's totally fine. If they go to essentialism.com, there is something that we've just, uh, launched there where people can, uh, can, can, you know, pre, well, order the book or pre-order the book and then they can cool. get access to a 21 day essentialism challenge for free mm, uh, and, and just other great things coming there. So, so essentialism.com is kind of a place, uh, a place where stuff is happening. I like it. So guys, essentialism.com, go get the podcast too. What's essential podcast with Greg McEwen. Uh, check it out, download it, follow Greg on Instagram as well, guys, and buy both books. Now, actually what I'm going to tell you guys to do is go, go and give a rating and review first 10 that do that screenshot email. It's just, we're going to give you a copy, but I want you guys to buy two copies of essentialism and two copies of effortless because keep one for yourself and give one to somebody that you care about that knows that, you know, can make a greater impact in the world. If they were only able to focus on the essential few things and have, um, uh, easier effort to do that Buy two copies of both gift them. And I think you're going to be, be putting out that positivity in the world. So Greg, thank you for coming on the carrot cast and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, I'm going to keep on following you and, and any way that we can help you spread your message. Uh, we're here for you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for having me, Trevor. For sure. Thank you. Bye-bye.